0: Welcome to the 10th episode of the Head Kick KO Podcast. I'm your host, James Herrick, and today we're going to be doing a full breakdown of UFC Fight Night, Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. So this overall, a very good fight card. We had a good amount of finishes, some really fun fights in there that went to decision, and we're going to start two main fights I want to break down on that fight card are the Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark, obviously. And then I want to talk a little bit about Baeza versus Soto afterwards. Then after that, we're going to move on to what is happening in the UFC as of right now in terms of matchmaking and COVID speculations and other rumors that could affect these upcoming fight cards in the next couple of weeks. So to start, we had Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. Now, this is an interesting matchup on paper. You have Anthony Smith, who is the number six ranked light heavyweight versus Devin Clark, someone who is unranked. Big opportunity for Clark here, and really a lot of pressure on him to come in and perform on this because he's given such a great opportunity, and uh, big respect to both these guys for The willingness to step up and make this a five round fight on one day's notice it was originally scheduled to be a three round co-main event but because of Curtis Blades testing positive for COVID they were bumped to the main event and it was made five rounds so that's a big adjustment obviously in the game plan and something to do on one day's notice that is very impressive as well from these guys so to start it off Devin Clark versus Anthony Smith Anthony Smith goes out there and gets a finish in the first round via a triangle choke. So, this is a very, very nice finish by Anthony Smith here. It was nice to see him get back in the win column. So, I was very impressed by that. And, Devin Clark in this fight looked great as well, even though what did lose this fight. He came out off the bat, looked great on the feet. He landed a head kick, not very clean but uh, I believe Smith blocked most of it, but it partially landed, followed that with a big right hand, and then Anthony Smith eventually took him down, and the fight pursued from there. But on the feet, for the short time it was on the feet, I was impressed by Clark, his willingness to come off the bat and come right at Anthony Smith, being the underdog in this one, he came out like he had nothing to lose. And then it gets we get to the takedown, and from here... Anthony Smith had some nice work on the ground, so a little bit of control, some position, some ground and pound, and then Devin Clark eventually um, transitions, gets on top, and from there, Anthony Smith gets a triangle choke from the guard. Very good jujitsu showed by Anthony Smith here, and I was very impressed by that, now What's next for both these guys now? We have Anthony Smith here, who is finally back in the win win column. He just took out, obviously, unranked Devin Clark. Now, afterwards, he called out Paul Craig because he saw Paul Craig speak about him. And it looks like that's the fight that Anthony Smith is going to pursue next. I am surprised by that. We usually don't see the 6th-ranked guy pursuing a fight with the 14th-ranked guy. But if that's what Anthony Smith wants to do as of right now, he has every right to go do that. I think right now he's just working on stacking some wins and maybe going on another run for the title here, but I'm surprised he decided to go for someone of Craig's caliber when he could have probably gotten a match against someone like Johnny Walker, uh, someone in that area of the rankings who's a little bit higher and has a little bit more name value than Paul Craig does, but Paul Craig is no easy fight for anyone, so I respect Anthony Smith for that call out. For Devin Clark, I'd like to see him stay around the top 15. I know he just lost in the first round, but for losing in the first round, he showed some great potential in this fight. I'd like to see him still right in that top 15 range. We don't need to pull him back too far after this loss. I think he was in um, for a little bit. He was a little too deep with Anthony Smith. Uh, You could really see Smith's experience in this fight showed, and some of Clark's inexperiences showed as well. So, get him get him a couple more fights of some guys who are ranked, borderline ranked, some 15 to 20, some guys in that area. Build him up a little bit more. I think he can be great in the future. He looks fast, strong, good wrestling background, and he showed some great strikes, as I said earlier. So, for both these guys, neither of these guys are going away soon, and I doubt this is going to be Devin Clark's last main event. Now... And the co-main, we had Baeza versus Soto. Now, Baeza is obviously one of the um, better prospects in the UFC as of right now. He doesn't have that much name recognition, but he is a promising prospect. He's from the Dana White Contender Series. series, And we've seen recently that they are some of these guys are making runs here. We just had Alex Perez fight for the belt not too long ago. So, we have another guy... Uh, Baeza, who's really um, putting together some impressive performances, stacking some nice wins in this fight here against Soto. Soto is no bum. Soto has performed well in his last couple fights. He has a strong left hand, and he's a problem for a lot of guys in this division. With that being said, Baeza, he managed this fight perfectly. Soto's got that in-and-out karate style. So, basically, what Baeza did is he, he... when when Soto would come in he would throw that right kick which lowers the hands of Soto and prevents him from attacking so he landed some nice body shots and then off that he eventually fainted with the kick through some hands he got inside a couple times through some knees so he landed a lot of heavy strikes on the feet and what I was impressed by is his composure on the feet it, he didn't seem like he was rushing to find that KO shot or he was rushing to land some strikes he took what came to him and he took the opportunities that soto gave him he didn't try and create he just took what was given to him and he didn't throw much to the head but when he did throw to the head he was very accurate and powerful he cut soto a couple times landed some nice shots on soto and then eventually he goes in for the takedown gets a nice high crotch to to the takedown eventually gets gets positioned, gets his back not quite get the rear naked choke, he lands some strikes, and eventually gets a textbook arm triangle. So, this part of the game, we've seen Baez get several knockouts. This was his first career submission. So, at this point, we've, we're seeing a guy with great jiu jitsu, with great striking, and not only does he look skilled, but he also looks composed and he looks like he is ready. kind of move up here he looks he looks like a a smart fighter with a high fight IQ from what we've seen from him so far now those are really the only two fights that I wanted to break down off this fight card there were some other really good fights that I did not talk about Um, some nice performances that Parisian and Porter fight was a great fight heavyweights throwing like that you don't see that too often And then we had a couple of other nice finishes. We had Pierce get a second round knockout. You know, there are a lot of good fights on this card, but nothing of overwhelming name value that was on this card that I really want to break down too much. So I'm going to move into some other news here that is happening around the UFC because it's been... We've had some big news recently, most notably and most recently. um, We had Kevin Holland tested positive for covid so he is going to be out against uh Hermanson next week that was supposed to be holland versus Hermanson so holland is off that card so what they're doing is they're taking Vittori they're taking Marvin Vittori and they're moving him to fight Hermanson he was originally scheduled to fight Jock ray on December 12th so now they're just they're pretty much just switching Vittori and holland here so Vittori is going to fight Hermanson next weekend while Holland fights Jacare on the 12th. So basically, we're just switching Marvin and Holland because Holland has COVID. Very smart move by the UFC to keep this main event intact and still get Kevin Holland a fight by the end of this year because I know he likes to stay active. So that was a great job by the UFC in terms of where this puts everyone in that division. I don't see this making that big of an impact. In terms of the future of this division, we have, let's see, Vitoris 13. Um, yeah, Jockeray is unranked. Hermanson is fourth. Um, yeah, so Jockeray and Kevin Holland are both unranked. So it's actually this Marvin versus Hermanson fight actually makes more sense. Two ranked guys, and then you have two unranked guys who are probably just outside the top 15. Probably should be ranked in this division. So, at the end of the day, we're we're getting all all wins here. All wins. The UFC did a good job of handling this situation to make sure none of those guys lost their fights. And then, moving on, our other COVID case has been Hazmat Chimaev. Now, Hazmat is rumored to test positive. This news broke... Um, very uh, directly before I started filming this. So nothing has been confirmed or denied by Leon Edwards' team has said they have not been told. And Hasmat's team has not came out and said that he has COVID as of yet. So this is going to be a situation to monitor. That fight is supposed to take place on the 19th. So if Hasmat does contract COVID now, there's a possibility that he could still fight on the 19th based solely off the fact that if you two weeks from now um, and then travel after the two weeks quarantine, it's going to be close, especially if he tested positive today. So it's going to be a really close call to determine if Hazmat can fight on that card. But at the end of the day, if that fight gets pulled, that will probably just be rescheduled for early January. They'll probably it may be added to the Connor pay-per-view. They may add it on the Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater card. And I saw an interview Dana was talking about doing a Wednesday event in between those two or after the Connor pay-per-view. So they could use that fight to headline the Wednesday card. And as of right now that night that card on the nineteenth is looking very strong. That has Steven Thompson, Geoff Neal. Um, Marlon Moraes, Rob Front, Font, excuse me, Jose Aldo versus Marlon Vera. So, for a fight night card, they have plenty of options to go for who the main event would be if they did have to cancel that. Obviously, everyone wants to see Edwards versus Chumayev, so that fight should still get booked. The question being, if this does get moved back, who takes the place in the main? It'd probably be Thompson versus Neil, but if something happened, With that not working out, they have other areas to go. So, in I know people want to see this fight, but if a fight is going to be interrupted by COVID, this is probably a good one to be interrupted based off the strength of that card. And then there's a three-week break after that. So, Hazmat has plenty of time to get heal up and fight in early January. The 16th is the first date back, so he could fight really early to late January at the absolute latest february so there's plenty of spots where the ufc can move this around the ufc has a lot of flexibility right now with the strength of these cards that's one thing that the ufc is really getting better at is putting on stronger cards overall which provides some flexibility in covid times when fighters do get covid we saw that this week Obviously, this fight card wasn't as great as we normally see. However, with Blades and Lewis dropping off, you still have Anthony Smith to headline a card because he was at the co-main slot. So, when we get guys like that in the co-main and on the main card, you still have a fight to fall back on if something happens that a fighter gets COVID. That is something that the UFC has done great over the last six months, probably. And recently, I've also talked about how great the UFC has done with their matchmaking And that streak has continued of good matchmaking. There were a couple fights announced today. We had Michael Johnson versus Clay Guida get announced. That was a very, um, neither of these guys are ranked. That's going to be on the February 6th card. So that's a fun fight. And Clay Guida is obviously a little bit past his prime, but he still has that Clay Guida attitude where he'll come in there and he'll get in a brawl with you. Michael Johnson will do the same. Go look at his Gaethje fight. If you don't know, you will know. But expect fireworks out of this one. This is obviously a standout fight of the night contender already. It doesn't really take much to see that. And then moving on, they also, the UFC also announced Benil Darius versus Diego Ferreira, which is another really good fight in this lightweight division. Two guys just outside that top-tier lightweight um, you see, once you get to about Paul Felder in those rankings, you see a slight dip. Still, some really talented guys. Uh, Dariush and Fajeda are two guys with very, I would consider, they're in similar positions in their career. They're both a little bit older, but still both very talented. So, I think this was a perfect matchup to make. And I like to see the UFC continuously matching up these lightweight guys. Um, about three weeks ago, it was a, you know, it's a shot in the dark figuring out what's going on with the lightweight division. But now the UFC has gotten a lot of these guys matched up, obviously Connor, Dustin, Tony, Oliveira. So we know where a lot of these fights are going in this lightweight division and it should be soon that we learn whether Habib is going to retire or not. Dana did say again last night that he's going to meet with Habib in Abu Dhabi soon. He doesn't have a date, but that will um, probably come out in the next month what, what um, took place in that meeting. So we should know with, within the next month what exactly is going on with Habib. So I think a lot of that depends on how Tony Ferguson does against Charles Oliveira. If Tony can go out and get a win, you might be able to convince convince Habib to return against Tony. But I think if Oliveira wins that, that's going to hurt the chances of Habib returning. I don't think Habib returns to face Oliveira. I think at this point, the only way you get Habib back for that 30th is if it's GSP, Conor, or Tony. So at this point, I think we're just going to have to wait it out. Uh, it looks like we're not getting the GSP fight because GSP can't make 155. Um, there's still a slight chance we can get that fight, but it's very unlikely. So as of right now, for Habib, it's basically Connor or Tony. I don't think he returns for anyone else. Don't think he returns for Gaethje. Don't think he returns for Poirier. And I don't think he would re- return for someone like Oliveira for his 30th. But with that being said... I think if Tony can go out there and beat Oliveira, he uh has a strong case to get Khabib back for the thirtieth. And especially if Connor can go and beat Dustin, he has a strong case to get Habib back for the thirtieth. <coughs> Excuse me. He has a strong chance to get Habib back for the thirtieth if he can go out and win in January. And if both those guys win, we're gonna have a more interesting situation of Who would you rather see fight Habib? Is it Tony? Is it Conor? I think a lot of hardcore fans would say Tony on that. But I think a lot of the UFC would lean towards Conor based solely off the casual fan base who don't know who Tony is. But I think it would make more sense for Tony if both of them win. It's also a possible situation that we see uh, Tony and Conor both fight to get that spot for 30 for Habib. I think that's about the fairest way to do it. I think we have a little tournament going on here, Tony wins, Connor wins, pair them both up in say June, July, you know, relatively quick turnaround, three, four months, somewhere in there. And then if both of and then the winner of that can take on Habib. If only one of them wins, you can get um, Habib. So I think that's basically what we're going to see and that's my prediction. Um, I don't see Habib returning for anyone else other than those two names I don't think GSP is gonna come back so I think we're just gonna leave that alone but and the chances are the chances are that the UFC will offer him a boatload of money to come fight either Tony or Connor so I think that would help pull Habib out of retirement so Really, at this point, it's just speculation. But I think that is two of the main things that Habib is waiting on. So moving on, we have the next week's fight card of was supposed to be Hermanson versus Holland, but now Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori is a great fighter here moving up in these rankings. So I am excited to see that. There are some other really fun fights on this card that I like. We have from, or in the co-main, we have Ovince coming back to light heavyweight. He took his run at heavyweight. It's nice to see him back down. Coming up against Jamal Hill, who is one of the more exciting up-and-covers in that light heavyweight division. So, this, this is something I see as Jamal Hill is going to go out there and test his skills against a um, perennial you know, veteran in that light heavyweight division. Someone when you when you beat someone who's fought for the title, especially at 205, that's a good way to get yourself some respect. And I'm excited to see how Jamal Hill performs in this fight against Owens, and I hope for the best for Jamal because he is one of the more exciting prospects and I think if he can go out here and get a win of, against Owens, he could be really working towards a title shot sooner rather than later. And that's just adding another nice name to the light heavyweight rankings. These light heavyweight rankings are, we're seeing a lot of bright prospects in this light heavyweight division really start to come up here. Some fun names, you know, Jimmy Crute was the number one, um, ESPN ranked him the best fighter under 25. They did a Top 25, under 25, where Jimmy Crute took the top spot. You have Jamal Hill coming up. You still have Johnny Walker. Don't, don't uh, dismiss Johnny Walker just because of a couple losses. Um, I think he is working his way back into contention. We see that a lot of guys like, that are hyped up as much as Johnny Walker You know, stub their toe, and um, I don't think he's far from really gaining more momentum so ryan span as well is another great name ankle you still have kubala so you have a lot of guys in that heavyweight division that show promise so at this point it's time to see who lives up to their promise and their potential and see who kind of fall who starts to slip a little bit and when you have that many guys in a division with that much potential, the odds are you have to get one or two or maybe even three of these guys will end up panning out into um, some of the top tier light heavyweights in a fairly young division with a lot of guys who are fun and exciting to watch, like Santos, like Reyes, like Racek, uh several other names in there too. And we may eventually see Anthony Joshua or not Anthony John- Joshua, excuse me, Anthony Johnson, put his name back in that light heavyweight division. Uh, there's been a little bit of speculation whether his return is going to be at heavyweight or light heavyweight, but that is a question that we will answer another day because we're still waiting on that Anthony Joshua, or she said it again, Anthony Johnson official return. And um, main event, Hermanson versus Vittori. I'm excited for this fight. Um, Vittori's a great fighter. He gave Israel Adesanya one of his toughest fights. Obviously, back then, Israel was not as refined and polished as he is now in his skill set. But with that being said, he was still a very talented guy when Marvin fought him back then. And I think that if Marvin can get on a roll here, he could be another guy who fights for a title just based off the fact that he can say, hey, look what happened last time we fought, you know, so he has some pull to himself, on, in this, in this, uh, title picture, title picture, because he does have time to build himself up, as Israel is fighting Jan in March, it seems, on this card, um, we also have some other nice names in the prelims, Gian Valente is in the prelims, a veteran, Ila Toporia is fighting on these prelims. He looked great in his last fight. So there's a prelim fight to watch out for. Toporia looked great. Um, he's fighting Damon Jackson, who's also a very good fighter. But I'm interested to see if Taporia can really replica what he did in his last fight. Because he's another contender series guy. Who, if he can start stacking some wins, he can start moving up in this exciting featherweight division. We also saw an interesting quote from Dana last night. Dana was asked about Yair Rodriguez. And he pretty much said Yair isn't going to fight anytime soon, even though he's healthy. There's a lot of quote. He said the UFC hasn't talked about him publicly yet. He said they're pretty much waiting for Yair to say what's going on. So, I don't know what's going on with a Yair. Um, it really left everyone at the press conference stunned. Someone asked about Zabit versus Yair, and they were really... Dana didn't say that he declined to fight. He specifically said that he didn't. So, I'm, I'm really confused here on what's going on with the Yair. And if this Yair-Zabit match can't get made, everyone wants to see it. But if we're struggling to make that, we need to move on and get Zabit matched up eventually whether that's, whether he gets a title shot now, or, you know, if you were looking at Zabit, Zabit could make a case for a title shot, especially if Qatar beats Holloway. It sounds weird, because then you would think Calvin Cater would get the title shot, but Zabit also beat Cater. So, Zabit could make his, uh, make a case for a title shot, even if he doesn't fight Yair. But, he would really be left on the outs if they don't book Yair versus him anytime soon, because we've talked about it several times on here that top six in that division, one through six, are all great fighters and once and there's a clear step off after that to exciting fighters with bright potential and a lot of skill, but the top six guys are a different level of skill they're all elite talents so if he has to fight someone outside of that top six, he could probably get himself another win. But it wouldn't be anything that would really push the envelope to get him to the front of that line for a title shot. So Zabit has really um, been put in a tough spot here. Um, on this card as well. Or excuse me. And then UFC 256 is coming up the weekend. After that, there's some fun fights as well. On that, we also talked about Tony versus Oliveira already, and they added that Holland versus ja- or Array So, in these next couple weeks here, we have a lot of fights that are fun fights to look look forward to. As of right now, and checking again, there is still no new news. On Hazmat Shimaev. One thing that I am confused about here is what we're doing with Michael Chandler. I haven't talked about Michael Chandler on the podcast in a minute, but we're starting to book a lot of these guys in this lightweight division, and Michael Chandler has been seemingly left out of all these talks. Um, we have the only guys left in the top five are Keiichi and Hooker. And the UFC looks like they're in no rush to book Michael Chandler versus anyone because they've already got a lot of these fights booked up in this lightweight division. You're looking at Gaethje, Oliveira, or excuse me, Gaethje, Hooker, RDA. These are just some of the open names. Uh, Ally Quinta, Kevin Lee, you know, the chances that we see him, you, you know, fall outside of that top five, top six is fairly strong in terms of who is michael chandler going to fight next if i were michael chandler i'd be pushing hard to get a fight booked right now even if you're going to get booked in february you just need to get your name in with somebody because it wouldn't take much to get a gaethje hooker match booked up and if gaethje and hooker get booked up then michael chandler is going to be looking on the outside left out and I think a Gagey Hooker matchup is easy to sell just off we saw what Hooker and Felder did. And if, imagine if you throw Hooker in, in there with Gagey, that'd be an incredible fight. Fireworks all around. So and then we'd be looking at, you know, RDA, when can RDA fight again? So as of right now we have a lot of questions for Michael Chandler and seemingly no answers. The only time we get answers are when a new fight gets booked and we learn who Michael Chandler is not going to fight. So I am confused that it's taken this long for the UFC to get him booked up. Everyone, The the longer we go without seeing Michael Chandler fight, the more his hype dies down and people would be more willing to see him against an ally, Quina or a Kevin Lee rather than a Ferguson or Gaethje or Hooker. So... I think the UFC really needs to strike now while the iron is still hot. Because if you're just sitting around waiting, you're going to get forgotten. And that's seemingly what's happened to guys like Iaquinta. Al Iaquinta hasn't fought in a minute. Well, how often do you see his name in the news? right? Guys like Kelvin Gastelum who hasn't fought in a while. So now he's fighting, uh, I believe, Ian Heinrich. So you see a lot of guys like this who get out of the news and then have to fight a lot lower rank guys who is just limit your opportunity. So I th- hope that doesn't happen with Michael Chandler. We're going to have to wait and see, but the UFC should really figure out what's going on with Michael Chandler and get him a fight book soon. That is pretty much all I have to talk about today. And, uh, well, I'll give, I'll give official picks here for next week's main and co-main. I didn't give official picks. I think in the main event, I think Kermanson goes out there and wins. He looked great in his last fight against Calvin Gastelum. Um, I think Victoria is still a little raw, but he is very talented. I think Vittori has the ability to win, but I think Jack Hermanson goes out there and gets the win. And then if Jack Hermanson can get a win, he would be able to make a case to fight Whitaker. I think if he does win this fight, I think he should call out Whitaker. And hopefully, if he can get that fight, that would book him a little bit closer to a title shot. At light heavyweight, we have Ovince versus Jamal Hill. I'm leaning towards Jamal Hill on this one. Just based off how good of a striker he is, but I think it's completely possible for Ovince to Go and submit Jamal Hill. I think this is going to be a good test for Jamal Hill We're gonna learn about a lot about his grappling defense specifically his takedown defense So I think if Jamal Hill can prove he can stop takedowns from someone like Ovince, I think he becomes a real danger in this division and if he can go out there and prove that, I think he's. if he can stop those takedowns, I think he'll go out there. And I think he can finish Ovince on the feet. Now, the, the question, obviously, like I just said, can he stop the takedowns? I'm leaning towards yes. And if he can, you're going to have to look out for Jamal Hill. So those are my picks for the main and co-main. I don't want to do picks for every, or for every fight on the card, so we'll just focus on the main and co-main, two exciting fights. And uh, I will be tuned in on those. We'll have another episode next Sunday. And for now, go follow the other social medias. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, streaming platforms. We're on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, several other smaller podcast platforms. So go make, make sure you follow those. And thank you for watching the Head Kick KO podcast. We'll see you again next week.